We're beginning a new series, and as, as you see, we're um, leaving this past series, which it's really hard for me to leave a series because it's like reading a good book. You know what that's like? You're kind of reading a book and you go, I just hate to turn the last page and I hate to be done with it. And so there's a part of me that's not crazy about being done with the last one. So we're going we're gonna to just do a quick book review, so to speak. You know, we were talking a lot about, for seven weeks, about the kind of culture that Jesus seemed to create. He lived his life in such a way that God's presence was there that everyone felt welcome. And, and it was this kind of presence where nobody, they knew they weren't perfect. They were ill and they were coming with all kinds of stuff that were a mess in their life. And they came with this hope before Jesus that anything's possible. And so I'm going to ask you to stand for a second. And I want you to say, because we're not just finishing here these seven weeks, we really, with the elders and, and with our staff, we're seeking to create this kind of environment where, where you would come in. If you're new, our prayer is that you would feel welcome. You would know that you don't have to wear a mask. And, and you would also be aware that God can do incredible things when you're connected to him. So let's say this together for the first one. Everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible. Before you sit down, or in fact, I'm going to pray in a second, but would you just turn to someone and just say, anything's possible? Like you mean it? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, it is our desire that we would live with that truth because you, Jesus, on a number of occasions, when people would come to you and they were pressed to a place of hopelessness because of what was going on in their life, you just said those words, that without, with God, anything's possible. And there may be people here who are pressed in a place of hopelessness in a relationship. Maybe with kids or with their parents or at work, whatever it is. And, and we again say thank you that with you, you are a God who makes all things possible. And so, God, we pray, I pray, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, a few weeks ago, I received an email, the church did, and it came to my attention. And it came from someone who doesn't attend our church. And so, I just kind of keep this person anonymous. I'll call her Joyce, though her real name is Margaret. Um, Now, let me, let me read, if, if you would hear this, the, the words that came across my desk, my attention in this email. It says, to whom it may concern. I wanted to encourage the church and perhaps the parents of the young men from your church who volunteered to help my neighbor move today. These young men were so polite and helpful for several hours this morning. I know my neighbor, Kathy, appreciated their assistance, but as a bystander today... And the grandmother, myself, I wanted the congregation of your church, to you guys, I wanted you to know what fine young men you have in your community. Very sincerely, Joyce. So I read that and was touched by it in the email D who oversees our caring ministry and I thought maybe she might have something to do with helping that arrangement take place. And I, I just, I wrote her, I said, Dee, this is a pretty cool note. Um, I'm not sure who the young men are that Joyce here is referring to, but what a great testimony to God's love through our guys. 
And Dee emails me back. And as she's doing that, she also emails the parents of these young men. And she said, thought you'd like to see the impression you made on Kathy's neighbor last Friday. Thanks a million, Justin, Tyler, and Mark for being you, in capital letters. Hardworking, reliable, trustworthy, and totally competent. And thanks to Dean and Heather and Greg and Sean for the years you've modeled servant hearts in willing hands to your boys. And I thought it was kind of cool. And then one of the parents emails back this note. Thank you for passing this on. What an encouragement. We are also appreciative of Kevin Campbell, of Phil and Bruce, those are our high school and family and, and, and middle school pastors, and many others for the time they have poured into our son. They are a significant part of this disciple-making process and the passing on of our faith to the next generation. And after reading this and taking it in, I was really kind of amazed. I I thought to myself, how cool this one single act of a few hours of serving, how it just seemed to impact and touch one person and touch another. You know, first, a neighbor watches and is touched and so sends an email to the church. It comes to my attention and I send an email to Dee. I've been touched and and I ask, who are these guys? So she sends an email back notifying who they are, but also letting the parents know. And they're touched by the fact that someone write this, but even more so to let us know that they have been touched by the work of other people who have served them in this body. And I just thought, how cool is that? A single act of service. It kind of has this ripple effect. You know, like when you throw a, a, a rock in the pond and that rock hits and it just goes out and out and out and out. And as I thought about it, I thought, this is just, this is one example of, of, of one that came to my attention. Just think of all the ripple effects of acts of service that you, as you serve, cause to, to touch someone's life who touches another and touches another. And I don't know if we highlight that kind of stuff enough, but I think it's really important for us just to, to stop and to recognize that. And so we're going to actually take some time, and we're going to do a, a series here with this five weeks coming up called I Serve. And we're going to talk about how do we kind of create that kind of ripple effect. Don't we really need it in our culture today? It's important even to highlight it. But we're going to talk about how to improve the way you and I serve others. So if you look at your, your, your weekly, you'll see this for the next few weeks. You see it up on the screen. And my hope is that this series of messages will challenge you to think about what is your life like when it comes to being a servant. How much of your identity is around that of being a servant of Jesus? Or maybe you're kind of thinking through this whole thing and this will charge in such a way, challenge you to begin to think about what it means to really serve Jesus. How does that work? What is it like? And one of the things I I recognized when I was putting this message together, I was thinking to myself, you you know, I don't want to preach to the choir, and at the same time I realize this is going to be a simple message, but sometimes simple messages are really good. It's just good to go back to the basics and hear the simple truth. And one of the simple truths you see modeled in the life of Jesus all throughout the Word of God, the Bible, is this truth that every person ever created by God has been called to serve. Every person created by God has been called to serve. 
And I, I think when you, when you think about it, think about this book. That, there was a book that was written not long ago, became a bestseller. The author's name is Rick Warren. He's a pastor at Saddleback out in California. Wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. And I think the reason it had such impact was its very first sentence. I mean, out of the blocks, the first thing that hits you is these, these words. Listen to these. It's not about you. It's not about you. And there's almost a sense when you hear that, at least for me, it's almost refreshing. Because we live in a world where it's just kind of this me first mindset. And it is all about how I take care of me and how I get what I want fulfilled and how I can move forward and how I can, can protect this and, 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 and leverage that and, and make this happen so that this happens so that, you know, me. And the first sentence... And then if you read the rest of the paragraph, I think this is one of the things that just set it off. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You must begin with God. You were first, you were born by you were born by his purpose and for his purpose. And I just thought about it. What in our culture today, when you think about it, those are kind of um, words that are like a, a, like a cold water kind of in the face that kind of wake you up and kind of go, wow. That's, re- that's really true because so much of us, we are all about, at least I, can't, I know what it's like, it's all about how do you write your own story when all the time, if you think about it, one of the things that God is calling us to understand is that he has a story, his story, and the whole understanding of the word of God is then how do you fit with your story into his story? Do you wake up? Do I wake up? in the morning and kind of say, Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for what you've given me in these 24 hours. Thank you that as I take my little I, that's what I serve, how can I find my identity in serving in your story today? That would be life-changing. So the first point is really simple. God has an assignment for each one of us. And that assignment is really pretty simple, to serve him and others with our life. Life is not about you. You and I have been called to serve. We are actually created to serve him. If you listen to these words, there's an individual at the end of his life uh, prayed a prayer that was really pretty earth-shaking itself. He uh, came to the end of his life, and he didn't live a very long life by our own standards. In fact, he only lived about 30 years. And through those 30 years, he, he was faithful through most of it. You could kind of say was rather routine and mundane, just fulfilling some roles. I don't, I don't think really he was ambitious to get ahead in the business that he was overseeing and running. 
In fact, when he was 15 or so, it's believed his father died. And his father died, and as a result of his father dying, he was in the place as the eldest son to take care for the rest of the family. And that's the way it was back then. You would kind of just take over the um, business, and in doing so, you would take care of your mom, and you would take care of your brothers and your sisters. And he was in that place. And so throughout most of his life, he just fulfilled this general assignment that he knew he was created to serve God and to serve others. And yet then at the end of his 30 years, for just three years, he received this special assignment from God and lived out this special assignment. And that assignment was to give his life to die on a cross. And his prayer, as you know, Jesus as he stood the, the night before he died, listen to this prayer. I'm going to read it from the message because I like the way it's, it's said here. It says in John 17, 4, Father, I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. That's a pretty cool... I mean, can you imagine at the end of your life looking up at your father and saying to the Father in heaven, lock eyes with him and say, Father, I have glorified you. I have... I have pointed people to how incredibly wonderful and loving and great and gracious and kind and good you are. How true and holy and righteous you are. I have shown them your justice. I have shown you everything. I have shown your people that. Down to the very last detail, I have fulfilled your assignment that you gave me. That's really cool. And imagine, here's what I imagine in this situation. I imagine... um, this idea that God has assignment for each one of us. I think of Jesus and his assignment, and, and sometimes I'm just amazed. From 15 years to 30 years of age, all, think about it. He merely took care of his mom and his brothers and sisters. He stepped into the role of what his father used to do. And what amazes me, you might go, what's so big about that? Well, he was a carpenter and a mason. But if you think about Jesus, and you think about what he probably knew, He had had opportunity to to hear from his mother and to hear from others that there were some miraculous things that happened around his birth. He was a special child. And not only that, when he was 12 years of age, we're told that he was was in the temple and he was speaking with the the leaders in that, those who knew the word of God and was actually challenging him with his understanding. And there was this sense of assignment on his life. Can you imagine from age 15 to 30 what could have, be, have been going through his mind? Uh, you know, about 20. You know, think of it. You know, 20, 22, 23, 24, 25, you're thinking, I have, been, I have all these signs. I've been created to do this. When, am I, when is this going to happen? And he faithfully served God in that role, in that place, till God moved him to this next assignment. And I, I just want to challenge you to think for a second because there is this sense God has assigned every one of us. We have been created to serve him. And right where you're at, there is a good chance you could be fulfilling some roles that you're going, you know what, this isn't what I was created for. Anybody ever feel that way? And here is Jesus, what an incredible model. And he prays to his father and he goes, you know, I know you've got something more for me to do. But I'm going to be faithful for some 15 years. I'm going to be faithful. And then think about this. For three years, 
He's put on special assignment. I was sharing with someone this week. We had lunch with one of the persons in our church, and I can't help but share sometimes what's going on in my heart around the message. And I was sharing this with this person. And he goes, think about it. Three years, in three years, he changed the world. It only took three years. So I just want you to think about this simple, simple truth. Life is not about you. God has an assignment for you. And you may be in one of those times like Jesus where it's just this preparing thing that's going on and he's at work. But at the same time, he may be preparing you for something that yet is to come. How are you walking through that? How are you working through it? Have you ever come to the place where you even thought about what is my assignment? Paul makes this similar statement. He, he sees the life of Jesus in, in, in a very similar way. So Paul, understanding this, at a certain point, as he was persecuting the church, and was, it was named Saul at that time, was going against the church, he's, he, has what, he has this clear sense that his life will be accountable someday because he has a, a literal come-to-Jesus meeting. Think about it. He's on the road, he's on the way to Damascus, and he sees Jesus, and Jesus says, Listen, Saul, I created you to serve me. And so he writes these words in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, Once you were under God's curse, doomed forever for your sins. You went along with the crowd and were just like all the others full of sin. Basically, he's saying you're self-centered. You're living the it's-all-about-me kind of life. Think about it for a second. We're actually born with that drive, right? It's a really natural thing if you think about that. How many of you were once a baby? Yeah, you know, you should all raise your hand on that one. Because you were all infants at one time, right? And when you think about infants, they're not really born with it's all about you kind of attitude, right? It's all about me. I was, I was sitting in our Wednesday night meeting with a mom who had twins and then I believe two other girls as well. And she, she was just like, you know, and I was doing all I could to be helpful. And she was serving one and I just looked at her. I said, do you ever eat a warm meal? And she said, seldom. Think about it. How many two-year-olds are living it's about you kind of life? How many two-year-olds go, oh, mom, mom, that's okay. You don't need to get anything from me. You eat your warm meal first. I'll wait. How many two-year-olds are really concerned about, you know, when you're wearing a, a sport coat or you're, you're wearing, and you, you come and, and, and they're just like, they grab you and they get food all over you. I used to, t- I used to say that when I was raising kids, I, you know, I, I encourage parents to dress like a napkin. How, how many kids are concerned about getting your, you know, oh, you know, oh, whoa, wait, hey, wash, get my hands clean first. I don't want to get you all messed up. You see, it's a real natural thing. And so when you read these words of, that are found in, in Paul, and he goes to verse 3, he says, all of us need to, to, used to, to be just as they are. Our lives expressing the evil within us. And this evil, this sense of what he means by that, it's a self-centered, selfish approach that, is, that breaks relationship with God and breaks relationship with other people. And he goes on and he says, but God, who is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though... We were spiritually dead and doomed by our sins. We, we were lost before we even gave thought to him. He says he gave us back our lives again when he raised Christ from the dead. 
And only by his undeserved favor have we ever been saved. He was all about serving us. His whole desire for you and me was to understand this simple assignment that he saved us so that we could serve him. We get it mixed up so often. We think that we're, we're, we're saved by serving. Not at all. Because what we understand, if you've been touched by how someone has served you, you want to go and you want to serve someone else. And that's what he says here. He makes this very clear. You're not saved by serving, but you're, you're actually saved for serving. And so he goes on and he says, and all this was done through what Jesus did. And, and, and verse 7, and now God can always point to us as examples of how very, very rich his kindness is, as shown in all he has done for us through Jesus Christ. And because of his kindness, you have been saved through trusting Christ. And even trusting is not of yourselves. Catch that. Even your ability to trust and believe is a gift he gives you. It's a gift from God. And when you're really given a gift, you kind of go, wow, thank you. When it really touches you deeply, you've you got to go, how, what can I do? How can I express my, my gratefulness? Salvation is not a reward for the good we have done, so none of us can take any credit for it. Now, what I wanted to get to was this verse in verse 10, because this is what Jesus, when he, when he locked eyes with his Father and said, God, I did everything you assigned me to do. We're all created to serve him. That's, that's why you were created. It's not about you, but it's about God and others. He locks eyes with God, and then Paul makes this very similar statement in verse 10. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. So we're like little infants. We're all born like little infants, naturally, and even spiritually, so much that our life is about us. But at a certain point, we understand what God has done. And when God comes into our heart and he begins to move in our life, and we get to see how he's moving, and we see how much he loves us, and he sees that he would actually give his son to die on a cross, and that he would be so kind, even though we don't care a bit. And when we see that, we cannot help but respond. And when we open our hearts and recognize our need of him, he actually comes in with his Holy Spirit through trust in Jesus, and he gives us a new heart. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives, new hearts from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, catch this, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. So it's a simple truth. I told you it wouldn't be a real profound message. I don't want any of you to leave without understanding God has an assignment for each one of us, and that's to serve him and others with our lives. You have an assignment from God. Everyone does. The question is this. Will you fulfill it? Will you walk it out? Are you walking it out? Will you someday look God your Father in the eyes and say, Father... I have lived to serve you. I haven't done it perfectly. I, 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 I know there's been times, but you know what, God? My whole intention, my life from, my, from this moment on is that I would serve you. So here's the second thing I want you to think about. If your assignment that you have been given, as God has assignment for each one of us, your assignment begins the day you're converted. You go, well, what, what do you mean here? It's what Paul is saying, the day you've been given a new heart. Have you ever been moved from this infant-driven uh, life where you... Live with this attitude, it's all about you, to a place of growth where you recognize your sin, your self-centeredness, and in a moment of clarity, 
understand God's forgiveness and say, God, I want my life to serve you. I want to give my life in whatever way it means to serve you. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever opened your heart and say, God, I, 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 I recognize. You know, so what we, have this, what we have so often in our, in our church culture, especially somewhat in this evangelical culture, is this idea that conversion is about, you know, someday, you know, Jesus, you seal him working in your heart, and then you raise your hand and say, Jesus, I want to be saved. I just don't want to go to hell. I, you know, you, you're buying fire insurance, right? That's not full conversion. Jesus is not only our Savior from our sin, but he is also our Lord and leader into a life of service for him. And that happens in this conversion, this understanding that my life is not mine, it's now yours, God. Have you ever been converted from a life that is ruled by seeking after yourself and your own interests, your own needs, your own comfort? Have you ever been converted to this simple truth? This life, your life, it's not about you. When I was preparing this message and thinking through this series, um, I had this really great opportunity. Someone from our church shared with me a real cool story um, about a local teacher. And it kind of captured my thought. And so I'm going to ask Brian if you would come forward. uh, He's this local teacher. And and I thought it would be great just to ask you a few questions of, how God had worked in your life. In fact, when I asked this person to just see if you were interested before we met, um, you, you wrote back, and I love it. You said, oh, I will do anything that I can do to give glory to our Lord Jesus. It's funny that you have asked me because so many people have such cool conversion stories. And I always felt my, my walk with Christ has been so quiet. And I kind of, I like the idea that you think it's quiet. So that was even intriguing. So we're talking about being called to serve, and as you said, you, you find it almost funny that people have these cool conversion stories, but I think of yours, and as I had a chance to hear it, it's rather unique. Um, because you, from my understanding, you were working as a flight attendant, and as a flight attendant, it was on 9-11, when the, the national world was shook, your own personal world was shook in a way, too. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, you know, I had been a flight attendant for 15 years at the time, and Life was good. I, I enjoyed my work. Um, it was easy. I, 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 I would try to be a good person anyway, and my faith was important to me. So I felt like if they're paying me to be a nice person on an airplane, <laughs> life is good. Yeah. Well, but, not all see it that way, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Um, but on September 11th, that, that really was, was kind of a, a, a dagger to my heart in a sense of just getting me. I, I asked the question, is this what God created me for is this what he he wanted me to do with my life and uh, as sometimes often the case we don't respond right away so um uh, several years later um, my wife was expecting our fifth child and um, we had a chance to get away for a weekend little weekend getaway and during the weekend i could just feel the the stress and the tension uh, of of family life kind of just rolling off of their shoulders, and we had some nice time together, and we, we just were talking. I, I said, what can I do, honey, to, to help help mm-hmm. um, with our family? What can I do to help you to feel this way more, longer? And she said, Brian, I just want you to try to 
try to be home more. If you can just try to get home. I mean, I've been on five, six-day trips as a flight attendant, and it was a long time to, to call from, from whatever hotel I was at and talk to the kids one by one. And so uh, within a day or two of, of us having this conversation, yeah. doors began to open, and within a month, I was teaching again after 18 years of being away from teaching. I love, too, what you said to me when we were meeting at, earlier this week. You, you just said, you kind of also said, God, don't just kind of tap on my heart, but knock me in the head, right? And it's so true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, don't be gentle with me, Lord. I can be a real dummy, so just hit me hard. Don't, don't. I think we all feel that way from time to time, right? <laughs> and, and, and God kind of did that, and he started to move, and he got you into a position where you were able to teach. And, and, and that's where I kind of heard about your story. And in fact, I know that, you know, as a third-grade teacher, um, what's really funny is I didn't plan. We had, I had no idea that uh, Amherst was going to share a story of a fifth-grade thing. And, I, and this morning when I was getting ready, my wife was saying to me, she goes, um, how are you doing? I said, I'm a little bit nervous. I, I, and I said, I, I really got to trust God. She kind of looked at me like, okay, well, that's kind of your job. But anyway, um, <laughs> and this morning in the first service, she's sitting next to me, she, and it's, we're worshiping. She goes, how's God doing? <laughs> and I thought, really cool, because I hadn't planned on Amherst, Sharon. And, and I mean, I just think as school teachers, what incredible servants you are, whether you're in a public or in a private school or wherever you might be. Um, to give your life and to serve in that kind of way is a really cool thing. And it, it, what I thought was kind of neat is that you went to your class, the first day of class. Here's these third graders. They're all excited because you're kind of one of the teachers that are excited. I've heard this, so you, don't, you can be humble. But, you know, they, they want to be a part of that class. And he stood up before them and said, you know, um, I um, am excited to be here, but I, I won't be your teacher this year. And all these faces got sad. And he said, um, Jesus is your teacher. I'm only your instructor. And you, you can do that because it's not a public school like Amherst. I just think working in the inner city, that's just a whole different kind of experience there. But you, you were able to do that. And, and, and there was this kind of a sense of when they heard that, there was joy. But one of the first things you did um, was you washed their feet. I mean, these are third graders with stinky feet. <laughs> what was that about? Well, I, I knew that, you know, we all know that those first few moments that we meet someone, are th- those first impressions are the most lasting. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them not to be of me, mm-hmm. but of our Lord. So when the kids came in that first day of school, um, I had the Bible on a little bench and, and, uh, and um, a little candle next to the Bible, and I, and I just didn't say much. I greeted them as they came into sc- to the classroom, and how are you doing? Welcome, welcome. But I didn't say anything. And so after the morning announcements uh, happened, why, why I turned the lights down, just a candle in the Bible, and, uh, and I, I went around and I did wash each of the children's yeah. feet. And I thought, I just wanted to take their attention right now. And then I said, I, I have some difficult news to share with you. Yeah. <laughs> I will not be your teacher, you know, that, that, that Jesus will. But then I went on to say, um, kids, the second piece of bad news that I have to share with you is that this year will not be about you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I thought it was. I, you're supposed Our to teach me. me this. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I said, and it's not going to be about me. And then I pointed to the cross. I said, it's going to be about Jesus. He put us here in this time, in this place, in this moment. 
He gives us our every gift, our, our every breath, and every breath is a gift from Him. And this year, well, no matter what we're studying, it's going to be for His glory. Yeah. Let, me just, uh, let, me, let me just pray for you. Let's, I just would ask you to bow your head, and let's pray for just a moment. I just feel sensitive. Let's pray for our school teachers, public and private, wherever they're at. I pray, Lord Jesus, bless them. It is true, every breath is a gift, but every child that you give to us is a gift, and we as adults are stewards of that. God, we we pray for mercy and grace on our nation. We pray that you would move in our classrooms, in whatever way you need to show up, whatever presence that would be, that you would protect these little ones and cause them to know that it's not about them, but it is about you, and life is all about you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. I just want you to ponder a couple things as we close. And you may have had this, but have you had a 9-11 experience? You don't have to leave your job. That's not what it's all about. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about, have you had an experience where you go, you know what? Every breath I've been given is a breath by God, and if every breath and every action I want to begin to say, God, how can I be your servant? I want the identity of being a servant. And the second thing I want you to ask is, what does it look like for you to wash the feet of people that you are around and influencing? What does it look for you, like for you to, um, and we're not talking again about you know, in the cubicle next to you, it would be weird. You know, can I, can I take your shoes off? You know, yeah, don't do that. But for you to say, Holy Spirit, you've given me a nice life, uh, and my identity is to be a servant in you. Now help me identify moments to serve you. And what if we, as we move through this series, we kind of say, God, impact us in some way as a people that you will do through us this ripple kind of effect. Whether you're a third grade teacher, fifth grade teacher, whether you're serving in, in some kind of medical field or you're serving in a retail area or if you're serving in the church, or I don't care. What does it mean for you to say, God, my identity is to be a servant because that's what you created me to be. And I'm going to ask for you to identify on a daily basis ways that I can serve you. We're going to take um, the offering here in a moment for those who we serve, who through this, this offering, those who are in a homeless situation. So I'm going to ask the ushers in a moment to come, and I'm going to ask the team to come and lead us in worship. But let me just pray. Father, Holy Spirit, would you, as even as we sing, maybe identify either through pictures, through faces or names or whatever way you want to. Maybe there's someone you want us specifically to, to identify and to, in, in, a, in a real sense, wash their feet. Help us to be aware of that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.